going back to work now, so with sirens, when you hear a siren, it's a long, drawn-out sound, and we have that when we kind of go in down a long, straight road. And then when you cross yeah. the traffic lights, it goes into, like, a proper, like, zap, a really quick noise, bounces off all the houses and that, and, you know, alerts you more. That Mike is a paramedic. Yeah, that's true. He has access to ambulances. Yeah, I'm not like this geeky person. Like, yeah. He just really loves frequencies. Mike just hangs around ambulances all day long. I think one of the big reasons for us getting you on at this early stage in this podcast like lifespan was that Josh and I were always talking about this being about functional fitness and there isn't anyone out there at the moment that we know in our immediate social group that doesn't apply more to the fact that your job and your fitness are so intertwined and go hand in hand being a paramedic and it's cool. very special that's it yeah, yeah. so i've it? been a paramedic now for about five years uh or qualified as a paramedic five years uh if i'm honest the normal day to day of kind of paramedics how i work we do a lot of lifting a lot of manual handling. Yeah, so as long as you're able to kind of lift and carry people downstairs on kind of like carry chairs or on stretchers, that's practically it. However, with my new role, so I work for um, this department called Heart, Hazardous Area Response Team. And since really kind of like probably about 10 years they've been there, and it's be basically since the uh, London bombings uh, back in 2007. But since then, they've realised that we can't, kind of as paramedics, we can't stay outside of the kind of... I don't want to call it a disaster zone, but in, in the kind of hot zone or the warm zone, we can't stand outside kind of with our hands in our pockets waiting for patients to be brought to us. We have to be equipped with kind of specialist kind of training or uh, like specialist kind of you know, personal, equipment, uh, personal protective equipment to kind of go in to do our job to either kind of excrete, bring patients out, or kind of do stuff in that zone. Um, so, yeah, so anything from um, anything happening in kind of tunnels or in trains or under trains anything in water um anything recently for example down sadly and down in in salisbury with the chemical um stuff going on with with russia with russia we have kind of specialist kind of suits to kind of go in to do our job so um, aside from the fitness obviously within the gym how much fitness do you do outside of the gym with your colleagues training for these sort of that's it so we we're on a seven week rotor and then every seventh week we have a full training week okay Uh, so that's tuesday to friday uh nine to five roughly and we kind of practice our skills and practice our fitness so we kind of often either in the gym or out going for runs and having kind of team kind of exercises together uh, and since then i've kind of like since joining the team and since having my passion of crossfit and what i do outside of work it's kind of stemmed to kind of be more of a kind of fitness lead in charge of kind of the gym or we call it a pca room um yeah in work well what's the worst situation you've ever found yourself in um poor. hard to say and it, yeah when i kind of worry about my own safety maybe and then obviously i always try and put the patient first and we always we always we always try to but realistically we're taught in in kind of early kind of paramedic school that you know we scene safety is the the first thing we do so scene safety first because that's going to allow you to carry out your job yeah that, you know, that's you it put yourself in a situation which um, is but even still when you think um yeah it is safe but then you still need to kind of be aware of like your surroundings and what else is going on um so quite sadly we quite often as our team go under trains um so when people either 
fall on the on the tracks or they kind of jump in, put in front of trains as well we kind of go down to assist them get back up again so a lot of the time we go under on the the tube network in in london undergrounds and we need to be aware of like you know even for example like, like you don't realize how hot the train lines are when you touch them when they've been trains running all over them all day mm-hmm. so making sure you're aware of the kind of snags yeah you look after yourself as well as trying to put the patient first of course yeah. as long as you're good in in what you do and you know your clinical practice and you know what to do in scenarios and experience of being having time on the roads and maybe your nature as well really helps you being a paramedic i think real key to trying to be as good as an athlete as i can be as well as kind of be good at work is all to do with your other half definitely <laughs> okay sam takes props this there the, yeah <laughs> the, the shout mass- out to sam yeah massive <laughs> massive help like um, knowing, um, you know, what she's also a paramedic, um, so that really helps with the good of the day job. She's also into CrossFit. Mm-hmm. She was into CrossFit before we met. Um, massive shout out Sam right now because yeah. she's also won a Pride of Britain award with the Air Ambulance Service. She's she done, did, she? yes, yes. I mean, so, what an incredible couple you guys are. So she um, assisted with one of the first procedures ever to be done pre-hospitally. Mm-hmm. But this new procedure, Raboa, so basically uh, with a kitten. A big story, quite short, is basically they find the femoral artery, they feed a, a, a little balloon up into the femoral artery, up into the aorta, and they blow up this balloon. Sounds very simple, but it's not. Um, they managed to do this after a, um, a girl was run over by a lorry in central London. Uh, they did it. She survived. She's still doing well now, but I was the first... Uh, evidence of that happening wow uh so she yeah with the the, the london Air ambulance team she won the pride of britain you guys are like the ultimate crossfit power couple mike where where did fitness start for you so fitness started for me as uh on the football fields okay um so yeah so i used to do a lot of football and i think i did not from, know that yeah an early, no, early you age. yeah no so i'll, I'll be getting on to that, so. <laughs> yeah early ages we're talking like you know under fives under sixes okay kind of really kind of love the uh, the idea of me surfing so then i know living in south football wales surfing. <laughs> so right. yeah living in, in wales south wales right by the beach um i kind of got into surfing and from surfing i got into this um a surf life-saving club but effectively, we have lifeguard stations all around our coast. And to make sure that we're fit enough to do our kind of life-saving job and working as a beach lifeguard, we have whole kind of like county competitions. So anything from like kind of beach running to beach swimming, paddle boarding to like kayaking, we do all these kind of little events. This explains why you smash Tribal Clash. Uh, well, <laughs> I was going to say, this, this is yeah. Tribal in a nutshell, right? Yeah. <laughs> So then from then, I kind of like started swimming probably about four, uh, yeah, four, age 14, 15. Um, it stemmed from kind of like doing morning swimming. So I'd be getting up every kind of like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, early mornings, like five o'clock alarm in the pool by half five. I would swim for an hour and a half till seven. And I'll be going straight to school from, from swimming. And I'll be back in the pool in the evenings as well. So I'll be swimming at one wow. point kind of six, seven times a times a week. Back in probably 2008, 2009, the guy who I kind of worked for, um, the gym manager, uh, he opened one of the first UK CrossFit affiliates, CrossFit Plymouth. He was like, he came in one day saying, Mike, you know, have you heard of this thing called CrossFit? I was like, no, what are you on about? And then the <laughs> next minute we were like doing like hand-to-hand push-ups against the wall with terrible form, doing grace with this like 10 kilo bar and like these weights on the ends. 
And then I remember doing my first CrossFit class in a martial arts gym with kind of like no shoes on. And like the rig was like, you know, just a couple of like scaffolding bars. And yeah, so that's how it all kind of started with CrossFit really. Yeah. What do you think drives you? Drives you to get better, drives you to um, CrossFit? And even now, it's even to this day, it's always a kind of a battle. Uh, I think what drives me is that feeling after a training session, in all honesty. The feeling of like having that great feeling of like having a, a good session, you've worked, um, you've kind of like, you've earned, earned your kind of like your carbs for your, your tea. Um, yeah, having, having those goals, making those goals, achieving them. Um, yeah, just kind of wor working, working hard really. Because yeah. you have, you have a, a great champion work ethic. And I, and I mean that in the sense that I remember the first, well, one of the first times we started training together, me and you, and we did a workout and you no doubt destroyed me back then. I don't know about now, but you destroyed me then. But I'll never forget we did that workout and I laid on my back and I'm not going to use the terminology that you said to me, but you said something to me uh, along the lines that, you know, I'm defeated if I laid on my back. And yeah. from that day, it stuck with me and I never lay on my back go. after doing a workout. I, I laid on my back yesterday after a workout. <laughs> Strength and depth. <laughs> that was hard, so yeah. Especially when you have to do all the rowing. So, yeah. I am allowed to lay on my back. Is that what you're saying? No, or, well, no, no not really. <laughs> yeah. Mike, yeah. talk us through your Open. 2017. 17. What was your thoughts leading up to the Open? What was your intentions? Where what did was you going on? Yeah. So I was um, just got this job I'm in now. Just got successful with it. And I was living away for about six weeks during the Open, mm -hmm. uh, which meant me being away Monday to Friday, um, coming back on the weekends. But as you can imagine, just kind of working quite hard all week, not really kind of having the kind of great prep for the Open. Minimal training. Uh, yeah, training wasn't ideal. Um, the, yeah, the traveling, eating, sleeping, all that nutrition, yeah, all, all was kind of like down, down the pan already. So I thought that year I'll be great. So I'm going to do the Open, one and done every Friday, Friday Night Lights at CrossFit 1971. Mm -hmm. And that was it. So um, managed to do the first one or two, uh, first workout, 17.1 and 17.2. Can't remember my scores or what, what happened, but yeah, pretty, pretty up there. I'm honest, and then from 17.3, as I kind of went into it, I was like, wow, chest of bars and heavy snatches. This is my, my jam. This is you. Mm -hmm. The aim was to finish. Even the top guys who I remember watching, Cole Sager. There wasn't that, a lot of them. Yeah, so Cole Sager didn't finish that workout, and I was thinking, definitely, yeah, I can definitely finish this this workout. And um, yeah, you can imagine, got the whole community behind you. Um, did a really good time, going really well. And however, my last, I know, I think one before last kind of bars on the snatches, I felt this kind of like tear sensation of my arm. And then I managed catching the bar and not really like, I probably could have held it, but because I felt this tear, I kind of dumped it back behind me. People look at videos and they Did think, it oh, it definitely, when it fell back behind me, you that's when it that's when it ruptured but it wasn't it was definitely the pull and i you, as you know when you kind of lift heavy you kind of learn to kind of dump the bar behind you or uh -huh. whatever and i guess that just kind of threw you out mentally when you was pulling yeah. it from the floor that's it. knowing that was going on i mean we we know that any kind of small thing that happens within what we're focused on can sometimes just throw us off that's it exactly so. yeah yeah so bear in mind leading up to that like that workout was it was, as we know, chest of bar and snatches. So it was a pull from the floor and then a pull, pull from yeah. the rig. So it's a, it a double pull kind of 
um, was it a couple of it? We just call yeah. it, yeah, yeah, a couple of it. And then so from that, then so I kind of felt that tear, dropped the bar, kind of looked down, and you could I could see kind of like a bulge like down towards like more my kind of my my elbow. Uh, with with that, then I thought, oh crap, you know. I don't think I could probably lift this bar again. Yeah. Um, Did you know what was going on then? Did no. I knew something that was wrong. I knew something was wrong and something was wrong quite badly. Uh-huh. Um, but I didn't know, oh, right, that was the diagnosis. Yeah. Uh, For people who actually don't know and don't follow you on social, mm. what did you do? So technically, my, my bicep wasn't attached to my shoulder anymore. So that was the, uh, yeah, the, the official diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. So you're staring down at that bar. Yeah. You got one more lift. Um, I think it might have been one more lift. Because you was on the 120. You're staring down at the bar. You're staring down at your arm. You know yeah, something's yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's cheering you on in the gym. Yeah. We all know you're out. a bit of a gym icon yeah, in 1971. What was going through your head? Um, that's it. As in, I can't lift this bar. Yeah. Something's happened wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, and I kind of knew that I, I wasn't in a lot of pain. Um, but I knew I had to kind of do something. I remember Sam, kind of my other half. She remember calling my physio at the time. You know, he was busy. I couldn't get hold of him. But I kind of needed to know. That I, I don't know. Deep down, I kind of needed to go to A and E. Not really for. It wasn't really an emergency, and it's not. If people, if it, if it happens to anyone now, uh, if they, you know, a, a, I had a proximal rupture to my bicep, or people get a distal rupture. So when it kind of comes from your elbow joint and go, it comes comes up. Um, you do need to go in A and E just be to get the ball rolling to get surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people say that, or you know, studies have shown that if you don't get it reconnected, um, you lose about twenty percent of your supinated to pronated strength. So basically, you turn in like a screwdriver, you lose twenty percent of that of that strength. That's twenty percent that I, I, I kind of want back uh, at thirty years old. They say that you need to have it reattached within kind of like. 10 days they say otherwise the end of the tendon which is kind of now flapping around in your in your bicep or by your elbow that starts attaching it to itself to other muscle fascia in around that kind of area and ultimately you want that attached to bone for for the the, for their ultimate strength back uh so luckily i kind of went to a and e had kind of x-rays i was referred to an mri referred to orthopedics and screened for surgery um, and then I was luckily managed to have with pulling some strings and making some other phone calls. I managed to have surgery six days later. You kind of approached it all really quite practically, like go to A and E, see the specialist, go to surgery. But yeah, what were you what were you going through? Were you actually like ever worried that you might not be able to train or lift? Massive, again? yeah, massive. So that was that that weekend. I was planning of doing the open and then going down to see some family in Eastbourne that weekend. I still went down to Eastbourne, but like my yeah as i kind of use a phrase my head was in the sheds like i was mm. i didn't know in a way mental would work wise a house you had to go in sick to cause i couldn't go back to this course i was on with work i was letting work down um didn't know whether i could go back to full-time training what it meant i didn't know anyone else who had this kind of issue before at the time um so yeah i had that real sick feeling in your, in your stomach that you get um did but. did you feel almost disheartened with the whole work situation because you are in a job where people depend on you? Um, yeah, so well, aside like, from the fitness, did that, you? F- that's it. Yes, yeah. so like with with, with it, people do depend on me, but I, with, realistically, like 
there's other people at work to fulfill my okay. role. Yeah. You know, there's it's kind of like one in one out type, not one in one out, but like when I'm not at work, other people are there at work is to, to, come to and yeah, take care of that. exactly, yeah. So really, like patient wise, it doesn't really matter, but like really, it's more to do with like letting work down. That mm -hmm. I was on this kind of you know quite expensive course, a unique course, and I had to end up going back to redo. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's kind of letting letting them down really. And not knowing the the, the but, unknown. But from a livelihood point of view as well, if you can't go into work and can't complete your job, that's it. You're, you're, yeah. you're not paying your horrible London rent or mortgage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what people like always get like caught up with, like you know, CrossFit and you know, try and get to the games or to go to go to regionals and trying to do the best they can do. And a lot, a lot of the times, guys aren't you know, and girls are in a, still in a full time job trying to fund their kind of their hobby really. Mm. Um, and really going to work pays the bills, as you said. So you're having this weekend, feeling a little bit down, you're not sure where things are going. Yeah. Did you know, sort of coming towards the end of that weekend or during that weekend, you were going to get yourself back in the game? Was you, no, was it, yeah. was it, did it just stay negative until you kind of That's understood it. what was going on? Yeah, it was, it was all negative uh, until I was, so I left A&E and all I knew that and the orthopedic department would give me a call on Monday. And then it wasn't until I saw a consultant orthopedic surgeon, maybe I think it was a Wednesday afternoon or maybe a Thursday morning. I managed to see this consultant and uh, I, I, I see, he obviously confirmed the diagnosis of this rupture. And I said to him and he was saying about this surgery. Um, I told him about like, you know, how keen CrossFit I am, how much I kind of like you know, work. This is a massive part of my life. And you talk about all this surgery, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So, so I said to him, "So, what does that mean? When am I having this surgery?" And he was like, "Mike, tomorrow, tomorrow morning." And I was like, "Wow!" So that was it. And then, so he he really kind of really made me really relax, really confident. He he said to me, "Oh, Mike, you know, make sure you kind of bring your your GoPro. I want to take some videos of the surgery. And um, if you have a look at my blog, mikekpalmer.com, you'll be able to see, or even on YouTube, mm -hmm. a quite a unique perspective of, of my surgery. And even for me, it was quite weird for me to watch that. Yeah, me being in surgery and seeing what they had done. Um, so yes, yeah, so the next day I was in surgery again, getting pre-screened. Yeah. So you're having that chat with him. I imagine you said, will I be able to go back to training? Yeah. Will I be able to continue doing what I'm doing? Yes, yeah. What Did that now become more positive? Was you in, instructed that you could, or was it still like, no, we're not no, sure? No. So or? he was saying that I could go back, back in training. Okay. Full, full in training. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah, so yeah. that confidence was then there. But then it's going down to that risk and kind of like benefit of surgery. Mm -hmm. You never know what's going to happen with mm -hmm. surgery. Mm -hmm. um, things can go wrong. Mm -hmm. Infection. Um, uh, pre another rupture. Um, they say that I could. I've got another. I've still got a risk of a two percent risk for the rest of my life. Now it will re rupture. Um, but if I'm honest, that's how what kind of rehab prehab comes into it. Yeah. And I'm making sure that I don't have anything like that again. And, and you were look after it. Very serious with your rehab. Meticulous. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. No. How you approach your rehab? Yeah. I think I think people people see maybe a little kind of like ten second video on Instagram or kind of like some pictures on Instagram and you see it, it comes quite easily to you or quite naturally if I'm honest I can like so I measured Sam Briggs that's what I did the first thing I kind of came out of surgery I said right I knew that she had multiple surgery before so I messaged her and said well, you know, what, what, what did you do and she said to me she tripled her dose of Amigas mm -hmm. she cut out obviously alcohol and caffeine mm -hmm. and she just ate clean 
And so that's what I did as well. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had two full weeks off surgery, uh, off uh, after surgery, uh, doing and doing nothing. And then I think after kind of like ten days, I started my rehab. Um, but then from then, it was kind of it was my job. It was I was off sick from work. I couldn't obviously couldn't go back to work, but I kind of made it my my thing every day. Because um, I, I remember at the time as well being in the gym with you and, and what I was doing in the gym, the hours I was putting in in terms of training, you was doing the same thing, but on rehab. Yeah, that's it. So it, exactly. for me, it was quite in, inspiring in a way to see you so serious about coming back from where you were. Mm. It wasn't, there was no rush phase to it. There was no kind of, I need to get this done quickly. You spent time in the gym working on those rehab exercises. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the one key points with kind of rehab um, is get a metronome. Um, having that kind of tempo and that rep counter because mm-hmm. if you you're told to do these all these boring exercises and you have to do them however you always lose count you don't do them mm-hmm. however if you get a metronome that is your kind of like your friends have a good kind of tv series link and i remember just laying here on the carpet and just doing for hours of like just listening to this metronome watching t- tv and again then that progressed into kind of doing kind of air curls or kind of like different movements with kind of like lighter dumbbells or or just cans of, of food or whatever um so it was a slow process but yeah having a good good physio um and having a good surgeon how long post-surgery was it until you were allowed to do start doing exercises again as opposed so, to just rehab? yeah so i um i remember doing i waited two weeks after surgery and i remember doing my first little kind of assault bike workout in my sling legs only out the back garden so two weeks two weeks it's pretty quick isn't it yeah. in the scheme yeah. of things yeah. uh, to be fair it's one of those things that like you've had this massive surgery you're you're staking you know you know painkillers you know codeine other things going on after surgery inflammation you wanted to, uh, your body to heal mm-hmm. instead of start pushing yourself yeah. on yourself right? yeah. so you need to kind of let that kind of do its course it's good do you think you're back to where you were um I think with with I think with age you get fitter, um, kind of aerobically. Um, I'm fitter and stronger in other ways. Max lifts. I'm probably I am probably there, but I probably haven't trained to to get those max lifts. Because so, I remember hitting my my lifetime kind of PR snatch, 130 kilos. Leading up to that, I remember spending probably two three months of doing a lot of snatch work, a lot of snatching, and so that's the reason why kind of you hit that level mm-hmm. um so I, I reckon i'm probably 90 percent there after hurt my arm last year i needed something to kind of train for and having that kind of like a short-term goal to have so i kind of got on board with uh, cam nickel from rowan wads and he kind of like started kind of doing all my little programming i've always been quite a good kind of rower um, in the I say a good rower, I say like in the CrossFit world, a kind mm-hmm. of a good, a good rower. I've always been able to manage to pull like a sub seven, two uh, k, and I think really I kind of wanted. We'll to... talk about his time. <laughs> yeah. we, we discussed this already. He still beat me at that two k. And then, so I thought really like what what can I do that I could train hard at? It's it's away from the the the, the grind of like the barbell cycling of of CrossFit, and I needed something to. Yeah, I'd be able to train for and safely be able to do because of, of my bicep. Um, so I kind of signed up for the first thing was the British Indoor Rowing Champs. And that was back in December. Um, so I think I had about, I don't know, I think, so I had surgery in March. It wasn't until kind of June or July when I was kind of started doing my rowing again. And so I, again, and obviously a fair few months into December where I had this kind of rowing champs. And so I knew I already had my PB 2K row. 
6.32. Okay. Oh. Uh, was my, my current PV. That was for a qualifier for the, like, the French showdown a couple of years ago. And uh, I wanted to go sub six, six, 6.30. So in the rowing world, um, if, peop- um, if people don't know, a good time, I think the world record 2K time, I think, don't quote me on this, is probably about 5.49. But if you were, the way I see it now, and probably, probably Cam would probably agree with me, if you wanted to be like a competitive uh, gym goer, anything sub 7.30 for 2K is a, is a good time. And then if you're talking to kind of regional standard athlete, anything from like sub 6.45 to 6.30 is, and then games athletes, we're talking sub 6.30, or the Jason Kleepers of the world, yeah. um, <laughs> you're talking probably about a 6 15 to 6 20 this weekend i have told josh a lot about this already but i was working this new rowing format called the power eight sprints okay um and basically it's like a modernization of the sport and they are british rowing are trying to make it more accessible to people who are perhaps more powerful athletes people who aren't going to train three times a week uh, three times a day every day of the week to Mm -hmm. like row 2000 meters but you can get these kind of like explosive athletes that can do 350 yeah and I was with the rowers um, on a couple of press days in the run up to the event and they were like, right, okay, we don't actually know what a good time is for 350 because we just don't do it. No. Um, so we put a couple of professional Olympic rowers on there and you're looking at about 50 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sure. yes, but actually I realised I didn't know enough probably about what a crossfitter yeah. would potentially row that at. Like what, what's your, I know we don't normally row to 350, <laughs> but what, what would be your 350? 350 I'm not too sure of. I, I know... Uh, a couple months back, I was doing an every minute. Um, so it was every minute and a half, but you only rode for a minute, and I was hitting 300. Yeah. Um, and I was hitting the 300 within the 51 to 55 second mark, and that was for like 12 rounds, and it stayed within that mark. Yeah. Um, so 351. Yeah. 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 So, so I, if I can jump on there. So one of the – I did a rowing competition earlier this year, and one of the workouts was 350 metres. Ah, there you go. Hard max effort. That was after a 500, a 750, and a 1,000 metres, and like with a five-minute rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, we were all kind of pulling 350 in about 57 seconds-ish. Yeah. Um, so that's our, our time, yeah. Um, with with that bearing that in mind as well, so there's a workout called rowing golf. Well, you might have seen that on my social media feeds. It's, it's like pub golf, but a lot worse. <laughs> That's it. Exactly, yeah. So all it is, it's 18 holes or 18 rounds okay. of a minute, oh a, a minute on, a minute off. Hard. Yeah. Well, depends. It depends if you want to attack it or not. Okay. But I think, uh, yeah, without kind of looking back at the numbers. Mike Palmer attacks it. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Palmer attacks it. Yeah, anything over 300 meters is a par. So a par is quite average, isn't it, in golf? Or it's a good, a good standard of par is. Okay. And then, so yeah, so... Oh yeah, I have seen this on your social media yes. feeds. I wonder what the hell it was about. So then, so that I think I was pulling every minute on and off for 18 rounds. It was about 305. So I was trying to get over over 300 every time. And I did do that. So I think the next one... What will be a birdie? Is that a birdie the next one? Uh-huh. I think it's 3.15. Okay. And then 3.25. What's the other one? An eagle? Yep. Or is I, that the top I one? I am not your golf girl. Yeah, so no the eagle idea. is three twenty five, I think. So I pulled sixteen pars and then two eagles to finish. So wow. give it give it a go. Okay. That's another workout to do. Eighteen eighteen rounds, women on, women off. 
all right i want yeah. to try that <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah well on that mm-hmm. so basically every time we sit down and do a podcast we ask our podcast guest which is in this case mikey p uh to set us a challenge uh, yep. like a gym related challenge preferably uh and it was row 2000 meters for time mm-hmm um, I wish I could even remember, but we did it this morning. Yeah, I wish I could even remember done. what I wrote. I'm proud of you. I just remember that I went really hard, really fast, and then Dice. I did a thousand. And I was like, yeah, this is going really well. I'm like pulling a 140. This is pretty good for me. I mean, you, you were pulling pretty hard for that first thousand. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think Lauren was like five seconds behind me, maybe 10 seconds behind me. And I was yeah, like, yeah. damn, and then yeah. it was all right. Like, it was a swift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, I was, by my last 250, I was pulling t- uh, two minutes. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, oh well, this this depleted rapidly. Yeah, and your <laughs> times? Oh, what mine was, was three three. Uh, what did I get? Six thirty seven, wasn't it? Six thirty seven, something like that. Six thirty seven. And I was I was seven thirty something. I was nice. one minute behind you. Yeah, that's good. So you done your rehab? You're feeling good. You're back. Yeah. You hit the competition scene again one month in competition and you had like three podium finishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Wow. So take a step back. So remember now, so I remember to do, I did the, my own competition. Uh, that was my first little one kind of on my own. And then, yeah, so earlier this year, it was just row and train, train Manchester. So another row and competition. Mm-hmm. And then luckily I teamed up with the guys um, from Totem. Yep. And then I kind of went through um, doing some teamwork. So we went to Athens together yep. with Will Kane and Simon Greenwoods. I uh, went to Athens and then, yeah, I went to, over to France and Paris as well with the French showdown. So we managed to get second in Athens, first in France, and then first on my own comp as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, good, good year. He's back. He's yeah. back. The man's yeah. back. What were the biggest differences? Because I remember going to support you in a load of competitions with Sam, your, your missus, and, and it was quite often they were individuals. And this year... In particular, it's been a lot of teamwork, and you obviously finished it with tri- a fourth place in tribal. Yeah, a oh, of, weeks of ago. course, yeah, yeah. And um, what, what have, why the change, and what have been the key differences? Um, if I'm honest, I've I've never been, I've always been quite keen to do individual things, just individual workouts, just because, or sorry, competitions, just because I feel like I train hard and I kind of want to slightly pick my goals throughout the year. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really kind of always maybe concentrated that much on, on team things. But then, really, the pressure is slightly off on teams. But then, on the on the flip side, is it's it's on. So yeah. when we went to Athens, we we set the and set went to France. We we wanted to to win. But really, it's it is all I say. It's a massive team effort. Well, it's know. funny because they say, and you know, obviously, I've done team stuff going to regionals as a team and and that sort of thing. But often, you hear people turn around and say, well actually you you can take a step back a little bit because you're not on your own fighting on the floor but mm. i don't think that's the case because no. now it's a case of yeah you might get that rest in a workout but when it's go time it's yeah, go time you go it. hard so you know your, your heart rate's getting jacked really quickly yeah then you might sit back a little bit but then you're going again so mm. if you want to be a top contender in a team your team has to be thinking that same way and you need to be pushing like it was an individual competition that's it but collectively together as a unit so true there'll be people watching this that might be in teams and they think that team is an easy avenue it's not it's not an easy avenue it's one of those ones where you've got to come together as a unit and push just as hard as if you were an individual does it feel different in terms of training and building up to it um it it can do obviously you have more experience with this with obviously your your team we're going to regionals i kind of only trained with kind of will and and simon not that often um so we didn't have that opportunity but i think really it's finding your 
who you work well as a, as a team. Me, Will, and Simon work really well together, and I think that, that showed. You know, doing you have well. Great. With I mean, I know all three of you, and you have great similarities, and you have uh, you have personalities that even looking from the outside, you can just see gel well together. Yeah. You all have a similar training ethic, so like you, you will always work hard individually. Mm. Pairing that up together, now you just got to come together as a unit, and it showed that you did that. Tell me about yeah. the vlogging. <laughs> can i have your best vlogging impression impression yeah. please i don't want to do this just because the vlogging is all down to mr greenwood no i know <laughs> yeah so he he really like the reason why we do it is really just to kind of like take the mickey of everyone else doing it yeah that's really the whole idea of the vlog but it works <laughs> it works for him well, that's um, it. you yeah. just got a random social like i just follow people on social media and i know all about it yeah, like it. <laughs> i literally yeah. want to see greenwood mowing his lawn yeah that's, <laughs> that's it, that's it. <laughs> yeah that's it so it was a l a is that is that right with the uh athletes lawnmowing association yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um like, make sure if you've got a, a green out there that needs to be mowed <laughs> either get simon in touch or yeah get some blogging on the go <laughs> <laughs> but what was um french showdown like because i mean in, in my eyes that's quite a premier competition for athletes in the uk yeah oh uh, to, yeah to, to podium let alone freaking first that's it, you yes. know that's huge so um yeah the, i would say the french showdown for many years i've managed to go there probably twice before so it was my third time going over to france um it's been probably the largest kind of competition outside of regionals mm -hmm. in, in europe mm -hmm. um they throw um daniel who's in charge uh, from crossfit louvre who all, all organizes the french showdown he just yeah thrown loads of money in, involved uh, he just wants to make it fun yeah and he does it every year yeah. he, he does he's such a good guy and his team behind him um it started in a really great venue uh, which included a swimming pool, athletics track, a great indoor arena. But now, even this year, it was the second time in the stadium, um, and it was it was massive. And even like this year, now they kind of wanted to make it more of a, a games feel. Well, you got put on a bus and taken That's out. To... So yeah, on on the first Friday, all the elite males and females and all the elite teams, uh, we had to get up at four o'clock. Uh, go down to the stadium. Going to Aromas. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to, yeah, we didn't know where we were going. I was like, eye patch on, music in, white noise, straight to sleep for the next 45 minutes. And we woke up in this kind of random lake in somewhere in South Paris. It's very French. Yeah. Like random lake. That's it. But it was great. I mean, that yeah. wad suited you down to a T. Yeah. So we, um, the first workout, people didn't know, it was a, a 200 meter beach run into a 500 meter lake swim into I think it's like a three three point seven kind of trail run. Um, however, you couldn't progress onto the run until all your team members were in the kind of holding pin after the after the swim. Um, so yeah, we managed to win it, and that mm -hmm. kind of just set the tone from from the get go. Really, uh, in Athens, we didn't have a great first day. Um, oh, it really kind of affected us throughout the weekend, and we were kind of like trawling our way back. We really kind of touch and go whether they're going to get podium in Athens, but we kind of did better as the weekend went on. With this, with France, it was kind of the opposite, really. We kind of we did we did well throughout the weekends, but we just kind of started well and we just kind of tried to carry on with with that lead. Do you think part of that is just because you you've got to know each other as a team? You'd had all yeah. of Athens together, and now That's you're in it. France. Yeah. So with the, the big thing was the Athens was the warm up for the for the French slowdown, and that was getting to know each other, right? I yeah. mean, I mean, you knew each other, but it was getting mm -hmm. to know each other on a on a training level, on a deeper level, like being out on the floor, not yes. just. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, Athens wasn't. It was a bit of a late kind of decider, really. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, and then Totem said about going to France, and we had that. That was our kind of big goal of the year. Um, yeah. 
more competition in the pipeline as a team? Uh, so yeah, strength and depth. Okay. Um, so after our kind of great, me and Mike are on the win. same team. Here we go. Is this the 1971 team? Yeah. Yep. Oh, it. you guys are gonna kill people. <laughs> so um, yeah, after our kind of great little kind of uh, weekend out in Bantam a couple of weekends ago. Um, sorry, that was it. Sorry, early and uh, end of July was the travel clash. It's gonna be now strength and depth. Mm-hmm. End of October, start November. Start, st- yeah. start yeah, November. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so off to yeah, first time at strength and depth. And um, me and Mike are uh, looking to team up as well. That's, that's something it. we've been talking about. We'll do some peer stuff. Yep. Um, probably not this year, really. Yeah. Uh, probably, yeah. Who's going to be the alpha male? Who's going to be know. calling the shots? This is going to be really interesting to see. I think it all depends on the workout. You've got to really. share it, right? Yeah. You've got to share it. Hey, if, if there's any swimming involved or rowing, I'll let him be the alpha male. <laughs> yeah. He took me swimming one time. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was something else. <laughs> I just remember stopping, like, Every time I did 100 meters, I was stopping and Mike was just back and forth, back and forth. I think at one point I jumped out of the pool and just had to watch. I was like, I can't even do this. Yeah. Um, but that was good fun. I mean, we've touched base on the whole competition side of things. What now? You know, what are you thinking as an individual? Um, where do you want to take your training? What's the next step? So uh, next step, really, if I'm honest, I've probably been saying for many years is just carry on staying fit, staying healthy and enjoying it. Yeah. really if I'm honest is there's no kind of real goals there will be goals coming up next year there's things in the pipeline that I'm kind of brewing um there's some some random idea which so keep staying tuned you'll find out soon you can't just say no 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 no. <laughs> okay no you can't just That's say it. random idea What's your, give, give, so, us a, give us a taste of your random idea so it might not happen okay it's still really really early days can I just um, say this is a first take right here. no one knows about this um it's fitness. It's not CrossFit. It's something I've never done before. It's something I kind of always wanted to do, but I'm potentially swimming the channel next year. Ah, amazing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, That'll suit you down to a T. Yeah, so potentially it's going to be with uh, the London Air Ambulance. Okay. Uh, so they are a charity-based organization um, that runs in line with the London Ambulance Service. So this is where I come in now. So I'm potentially going to be doing this to raise money for the London Air Ambulance. That's incredible. Uh, so it's That's either, amazing. So I've been looking into it, either doing it as an individual or doing it as a team. Um, Just don't you, bring Josh. <laughs> don't yeah, bring, he's only got 100 metres in him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be ready by then. I can do it. <laughs> he might just make it off the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that bad. But um, if people don't know, it's approximately about a marathon. So from like coast to coast, so uh, kind of England to France, is about kind of 25, 26 miles. It normally takes people maybe about kind of like 12 to 15 hours to swim. Um, I didn't know this, but you're not allowed to wear wetsuits or tri suits, so you have to have. Why? Um, it's to do with regulations of like uh, the attempts. So we're in a wetsuit, and especially triathlon kind of wetsuits, they provide kind of thermal insula- insulation to so keep your body warm uh-huh. and buoyancy right. as well. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm kind of planning of doing potentially next so people year. Can catch Mike in his speedos swimming the yeah. channel. Exactly that. <laughs> Stay tuned. I'm sure it's going to raise a <laughs> yeah. hell of a lot of money. We're behind you. <laughs> so that's probably next year. Um, I'll be keen to do more kind of team stuff, mm-hmm. maybe some individual things again. Um, but really just kind of like, yeah, keeping away from injury, looking good, moving well, and um, yeah. Well, guys, nice, nice conversation. Are we wrapping up? Yeah, shall we? Mike? Lovely, lovely having you, mate. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for uh, taking part and uh, settling us into 
what hopefully will be a long and successful podcasting career for us both. Mm -hmm. Good luck with it all. Thank you. (laughs) Please, yeah, get me back. Yeah, cool. Cheers, mate. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Yeah, lush. Lovely.